Good afternoon and welcome to another spectacular episode of How Betty Davis Saved My Life, Life Lessons from Classic Hollywood. I'm Moya. And I'm Georgia. And Happy New Year, everyone. Yes, Happy New Year, everybody. Yes. Hope we hope you have a great year ahead. Absolutely. Just nothing but best wishes for everybody, for all our great listeners. Thank you so much for, <clears throat> excuse me, these past uh, this past few months in this year, we made a year um, last year, and we just really appreciate all the support. Don't forget that we're on Facebook at How Betty Davis Saved My Life. And guys, we have YouTube videos on our YouTube channel by the same name. And we just did a spectacular reaction video to 1934's Double Doors. Um, it's a gym, a really sleeper hit gym thriller um, from uh, Paramount. We, Georgia and I enjoyed, we cracked up, we were scared, we were laughing. We it, Our emotions ran the gamut, right, Georgia? He sure did. And you're right. <laughs> Everything from scared to laughing, that's for sure. I cannot believe <laughs> no one no one talks about this film when they talk about, it's so uh, uh, unsung, as they say, you know. So, But we saw it on YouTube. I cannot remember the YouTube channel. I'm sorry. Shout out to them for having as this just a little classic gem, uh, Double Door featuring Mary Morris as one of the best screen villainous, villainous ever. So please check it out and check out our reaction video on YouTube. And uh, we sure would appreciate it. So we have another great film today. And, you know, we like to switch it up here at How Betty Davis Saved My Life. We don't like to uh, just do one type of genre or one type of movie. Right, Georgia? Exactly. Yeah, we we take films that are significant and classic in their own way. Yes, yes. So, Georgia, what do we have for our great audience today? Mahogany. Yes. Nineteen seventy-five. Yes, yes. We have Mahogany, featuring uh the one and only, the boss herself, Diana Ross, the boss. And also with Billy D. Williams. Okay, I could whistle better. There we go. <laughs> he was so good. He still is a nice looking man. He's an older man. But that man there was beautiful in his prime. Oh, my gosh. She was the bee's knees, honey. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I used to work at a police department, mm -hmm. and the women there, I mean, this is like the early 80s, they said, Billy D, Billy D. Oh, he was like matinee idol. Oh, I mean, yeah. He was huge, good yes. looking. I mean, and I, I liked him better in this role even than when he played Lando Calrissian in Star Wars. That's right. That was his huge. He, he is so iconic in film. Uh, like I say, Star Wars, because that was groundbreaking. Um, outside of Nichelle Nichols in Star Trek, his role as Landau Calrissian, for, as far as Black people in space, you know, being portrayed as science fiction, those he, that, those two roles were the bookends for Black people in, in, um, in science fiction. And, and, and um, Octavia Butler, for those of you who may have heard of, she's a, unfortunately, a really obscure... Uh, a science fiction writer 
and uh, she has a whole body of work. So, you know, it's not unheard of to for Blacks to be in, well, yeah, kind of sort of outside of Nichelle Nichols and Lando Carissian that early on to be uh, Black folks in space. And then I'm kind of going off on a tangent here. And then after Billy D and Star Wars um, will be Yafet Koto, R.I.P., just recently died when he was another iconic role in Alien, the first one of uh, uh, James uh, Cameron's Alien. So there are these landmark and watershed moments of, of Black people in science fiction. But yep, you're right, Billy D and Star Wars, girl. He, I mean, it was just... Did you go to show and see Star Wars, Georgia? I sure did. Okay, How, what did you think about I it? I saw everyone. I, I loved them. It was... To me, I would look forward to every Christmas season mm -hmm. going to see Star Wars. And I, I didn't miss a one. I have seen everyone. <laughs> yes, yes. And I was talking about Octavia Butler. I kind of went off on a tangent. But she, check her out. She kind of weird. Well, science fiction is weird anyway. But she was a, probably one of the only early on uh, black uh, science fiction writers. So, uh, um, I, and I didn't mention, um, which actually she did. But anyway... I, 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 my dad, cause he's a total geek. Love you, pops. Um, he took, and my mom hated science fiction and she couldn't stand that stuff. I think they took me to see Star Wars and I was a baby. I mean, I couldn't, but yes, Billy D was Lando Calrissian and he was gorgeous. He had a cape. You know how I feel about capes. We love capes. He had a cape. Great. And he was just so sexy and the blue elf girl. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He even made a perm, because I don't like men with perms. But him and James Brown were the only men who could make the conk or the perm. <laughs> the men with the perm <laughs> look like him and Jackie and Jackie Wilson. They're the only ones, in my opinion, that could make the perm look good. But, uh, but yes, we're going to talk about mahogany and, and how uh, the glamour, the fashion. You know, George and I are nuts about fashion and glamour, as we're sure, sure yeah. you are all to yeah. our fans. But the fashion, oh my gosh, wasn't it just, oh, everything? It was over the top. It was amazingly glamorous. Yes. I, I could not believe it. But you know what is so amazing about this movie is Diana Ross herself was besides being a singer and an actress and everything, she was a serious designer. Yeah. And she not only made she not only designed the costumes and outfits for the Supremes, but in this movie, she actually uh, designed fifty of the outfits. She chose the fabrics, the beading, yeah. the feathers, and she furiously supervised the workroom herself. And they recreate that scene in the movie but she her influence in this movie was a japanese designer in japanese theater mm -hmm. so you're going to see that mm -hmm. reflected in some of the fashions but the fashion montages are so incredible in this movie yeah it, it's yeah. just such extreme um I, I, there's like a couple of words that i'm looking for mm -hmm. in this movie it's the glamour it's just glitzy the production values in this movie mm -hmm. uh, it's sexy it's glamorous i mean she's schooling everyone on how to be fabulous right she really is she, she's doing that and this is i think one of the reasons why this movie is just 
uh, so well known is mm -hmm. because of the way this movie is so decadent, the glamorous surroundings. It's fun escapism is it what is. it is. It is. And they have some, what, the cast is fabulous. Of course, you we said Diana and Billy D. Anthony Perkins just and unfortunately, you know, he's re rehashing his psycho character. <laughs> I have to agree with you, Moya. <laughs> he was the poor man. He was really a great actor. Uh, he just after Psycho, he just got, got typecast. And girl, this man's performance in this movie, because like I said, I've seen it a million times. Used to scare the hell out of me when I was a little girl. When he would come on the screen, I would just, you know, we would see it at home once it came to TV. Oh, he would do something to me. I couldn't stand him. Oh, he's a girl. I used to go nuts when he came <laughs> when he came on. Oh, he was so crazy. He, he should have been nominated for this. And, and unfortunately, you know, he was typecast. But even though it was still kind of Norman Batesy, but it was a different type of Norman Bates type situation. Yeah, I know. He creeped me out too. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Mm -hmm. Ugh, and, and that yeah. was the first time I saw, I think. What, like a black man and a white woman in bed together. Oh, yeah. And I had no business even looking at it because I was, like I said, I was still a kid looking at it, but, you know, hey, um, I, I'm a better person for it. Uh, my whole, and th th there are several life lessons in this, and we're going to talk about that. But, yeah, that, and that was, that was, this movie, George and I were kind of talking about this um, before we got on. This movie was just so culturally significant in so many different ways. Um, but yeah, so, uh, and we'll go back to that, but yeah, Anthony Perkins is in it. Jean-Pierre Aumont, uh, famous French actor. He was in it. Nina Fauch, um, We know her Hollywood, uh, Hollywood greatness. So this just had so many different actors that was in this movie, and it was directed by um, none other than Mr. Motown himself, Barry Gordy. Yeah, he fired Tony Richardson, who was the original director, mm -hmm. and and so Barry Gordy uh, took over. And um, but this movie is such a significant piece, I think, of Black cinema history because with the black stars, you have a black director, right. which and, and to me personally, I think why a lot of, why this movie resonates with a lot of people is because when was there a movie before this where you see a black woman looking sexy and yes. glamorous and in and in charge and in control. I mean, right. it's, this is this movie is about um, black uh, self improvement and mm -hmm. empowerment, and it's very forward thinking in yes. many ways. It is. I I can't uh, agree with you more. And and then. Um, I forgot to leave out B. Richards, a veteran oh, yeah, stage actor. She's been in everything. She she could. She's a wonderful dramatic actress, but she is yeah. a, a powerhouse comedian as well when she does. So I I remember her. Those of you who are Sanford and Son fans, she was the original. I'm not gonna say Aunt Esther, but she was the first aunt, and then then we got Lawanda Page. But B. Richards was the the first aunt on there, and her back and forth. Of course, it ain't nothing gonna be like with the with the aunt Esther we got with uh Red Fox and Luanda Page. But her little dry humor back and forth with uh with Fred with Fred Sanford well, is hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, B. Richards has been in everything. Just wonderful actress. 
I have to agree with you, Moya. What an amazing cast in this movie. But, you know, at times I felt like, forgive me, viewers, but, you know, that was during the age where they had, like, I think you were starting, to, you were going to get MTV in the 80s and all that. And when I was looking at this, I was thinking, sometimes it feels like you're watching, like, the longest and the most dazzling music video yeah. of all time. You know, because it's the one song kept yes. resonating, which is, you know, and I don't know why I kept getting that feeling, because you see the the gorgeous locale you know they would sh they shot this in rome and also in chicago and then with the costumes and all that right i don't know i just kind of thought about that because this was just before the age of mtv and i thought it's kind of like a music video in no, a way. You're, yeah. I, no you're spot on with that i can totally see that yep yep and i just want to add to what you were saying it was so uh culturally significant on different levels because marissa mel who played carlotta gavina she owned that fashion house that uh Tracy Diana Ross when she first came in and said, Well, I want to speak to the the head person. She's like, Well, I am, you know, and I was like, see, this was so ahead of itself. It was just fantastic. Because I think outside of Coco Chanel, the only woman led fashion house, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong, was Diane von Furstenberg, who uh did the rap dress. Um, so you didn't really have women because of course you had the Holstons and you had the um the Pierre Cardins and all these great people um at that time. They, you know, it was led by men. So to have a woman leading it uh was just so rare. So, you know, you could so so you had the black, the black uh cultural significance, you had the women's movement, you had that coming up. So it was just so much in this movie, and it was so timely. Yes, Moya, I I think um, the movie, you know, is very, I think, uh, an event. A lot of yes. people can remember seeing this. They remember, like, when it came out, going to see it, seeing it over again, and just being so huge. I mean, it really has such a huge box office draw. Mm -hmm. The critics didn't necessarily like it very right. much, but it has such a huge fan base. Oh, yeah. And this was coming, uh, this was after her success. She had previously teamed up with uh, Billy D mm -hmm. in Lady Sings the Blues from 1972. And so they were trying to get uh, Lightning Strike a second time right. again, pairing these two. And they're so beautiful to watch. They're, I mean, yeah, just, they're beautiful. Oh my God. They're absolutely gorgeous. And, you know, she was nominated. Diana Ross was nominated for the Oscar for Lady Sings of Blues. Um, she lost to Liza Minnelli. Um, and there's a whole backstory about that. I saw the backstory. Don't ask me where I saw that. But, uh, you know, there was a lot of controversy behind that and um, a political controversy and, you know, cries of, I don't say racism, but it might have been, I didn't even say it was racial, but it, it was kind of sort of twinges of that. But um, I wish I could remember where I saw the documentary about that. Um, but yeah, so you're right. This is the second reteaming three years later of Billy D and Diana. And and so, and they have that magic, like uh, Bogan Bacall and uh, Hepburn and um, 
and what's his face? I can't Tracy, you know, so and, and right, and like Rock Hudson and Doris Day and all these different. So Billy D and Diana, they were the black. And you hadn't really seen that before on TV. They were the black versions of that on, on the on film, I'm sorry, before. You had Sidney Poitier and Diana Car Diane Carroll, but it wasn't quite the same because the time was different. This was more a more free time, you know, thing, things were open up racially. Things were open up for women. So, you know, it was a little bit more open. You had the interracial relationships. Um, but when you had the Sidney Poitier and the Diane Carroll, it wasn't as it wasn't as sexual, just to be honest with you, as it and, and it wasn't yeah. as glamorous. You know, but when Diana Ross and Billy Dee did this, this opened the floodgates for black people to be sexual, be glamorous, be rich on film. Oh yeah, you're right. But you know, did you know the role of Tracy Chambers? Mahogany was originally written for Liza Minnelli, but then oh. they offered it to Diana Ross, and I didn't know that. Oh, okay. And so that kind of harkens, that's crazy, because that kind of harkens back to that Oscar uh, win for Minnelli. Uh, well, well, the tea behind that, ladies and gentlemen, is that the story is that, well, Diana Ross could have won had Barry Gordy not campaigned so hard for her to win. And BS, because that's all they do in Hollywood for the Oscars. And for your consideration, for your, that's all they damn do. If you ain't buying, and we saw that that story get bust out with Harvey Weinstein, that they buy, I ain't going to say that Oscars are outright bought and paid for, but it don't hurt to have those $10,000 party bags and, Grease and palms and stuff as you know being a right circle so bs bs look i've never seen cabaret have you ever seen cabaret yes i have i saw it when it first came out okay so cabaret have you seen lady sings the blues no i haven't okay well i've never seen cabaret i'm you know for those of in the audience you know i don't like musicals um so maybe we should do a comparison. Let's take the cabaret versus Lady Saints the Blues challenge. So you will at some point, guys, will will you know, I'll look at cabaret, she looks at Lady Saints the Blues and see if it holds up. Should Manelli and you let us know. Have you seen if you've seen both of these films? Let us know. Who deserved the Oscar? Because I like I said, I can't judge because I didn't see both I didn't haven't seen both films. So so yeah, we'll 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 circle back and and come back to that and see, did Manelli actually deserve the Oscar? But that was the little controversy, if you will, behind why Diana Ross didn't get the Oscar. So I'm not going to speak on it until I've seen Cabaret. But fast forward, but I think that's that's a trip that uh, Manelli. Now, let me ask you this. Could you see Manelli being Tracy? No. <laughs> No, as, good as, good as, a, as an actor, no. Ah, I, I don't know. That didn't I take can't me see. half a second. <laughs> no I way. haven't seen enough of Manelli's work to really know anything about her. So I know y'all like, huh, clutch the pearl, sacrilege. Nah, you know, man, everybody ain't for everybody. If you ain't never saw Diana Ross, okay. I ain't gonna, you know, have a conniption fit. You know, that's your preference. But but as the, as the person who has seen both, so you say you can't see it, huh, Georgia? No, I can't. But, you know, I don't want to take anything away from Liza Minnelli because she is such, I think, a, an extremely talented actress. Mm -hmm. But the the role, this role was not right for her. Not even. Now, why do you say that? Um, Because 
I have to say, um, this movie would not have worked as well with her in it. I can I can only see Diana Ross. Okay. Because, and, and I have to say, Diana Ross's acting to me was was good mm-hmm. um, because I could feel how much she wanted to be a designer. I could feel her anger and frustration towards Brian for mm-hmm. getting in her way. I, I, she brought it. And I felt like, it, you know how we say the things about like Joan Crawford, she's being herself yeah. to be perfectly honest. I felt like Diana Ross, we were seeing like her really, she mm-hmm. brought a part of her own personality, her own reality she brought it to this role and I felt in many ways the, the, the diva thing that she has, yeah. she infused that into this role. And I think she, she was totally believable to me. Okay. That's why I say that. Okay. Yeah. That's fascinating. Um, Like I said, I, I don't know that much. I haven't seen that much of Manelli's work, so I can't say, and I, you know, like I say, I told the, uh, uh, Georgia, before we started, I was obsessed with Diana Ross. I guess probably most women or young black women, well, I was a kid, a baby practically when she came out, but I was obsessed with Diana Ross and Shirley Temple. And I had Georgia laughing. It was so bad. I would make my family and friends make them make them watch me tap dance. And I don't even think I could really tap dance. It was sad. <laughs> but Diana Ross was everything. <laughs> And I think it was because, and, and, and my family weren't even huge fans of her or the Supremes, you know. Um, for those of you who've been on another planet, Diana Ross is from the original Supremes. She, Mary Wilson, and Florence Ballard. Um, and R.I.P. R.I.P. Florence. Florence has been dead a minute, but R.I.P. the great Mary Wilson, um, who died last year in February. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um but so Diana Ross is the only surviving member. And everybody knows, again, if you've been under a rock or from another planet, if you don't know old school tea, you don't know your old school film history and music history, you know, Barry Gordy and Diana Ross had a thing. They have a love, a love child. Trace, uh, not Tracy, um, Rhonda Ross is is Barry Gordy. That was a open secret, like forever. So uh, so hence he was she was his muse and he did it. And what's so funny, uh little backdrop, Diana Ross, uh this is not the same Diana Ross. See, you go back and look at, at the Supremes early on. Diana Ross grew into this glamour puss that we have now and 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 in this era with mahogany. She now this this is Wilson Pickett's words, the great Wilson Pickett, R.I.P. He says she was so ugly. Like, he couldn't believe how beautiful she had become. <laughs> he said, because she was so ugly. Like, when they would go on tour or go around, they would let Florence and Mary sit in the front with them with the guy. And they would, like, make her sit way in the back. And I laughed my butt off. when uh, so, I, so I couldn't believe it because all I knew was this glamorous Diana Ross. So, girl, so yeah. y'all, if y'all want some fun and they, I, they haven't been scrubbed from the internet, go and look at Diana Ross when they first started. She and her name is uh, Diane. That is her, her real name is Diane. For whatever reason, they turned it to Diana. Um, she was not attractive. 
So she was a late bloomer. And, you know, once they start getting money, they could really work on it. So this is pre-filters. You know, this you ain't have no filters on your phone back then. You ain't have no phone back then. So whatever you were, that's whatever you were. But kudos to the makeup people and team. You know, once Motown got more money, due to the Supremes, because the Supremes really helped blow them up, uh, blow Motown up. So they got more money and were able to work with better, you know, makeup people and all that. So th did you know that, uh, had, had you seen Diana Ross, her pre-glamour times, Georgia? Oh, yeah, because as a kid growing up, I mean, uh, in the 60s, I mean, she was huge. Right. I mean, I can just remember singing along to all of her hits, me and my sister, you know, mm -hmm. you know, stop in the name of love. Ain't right. no mountain high. I mean, all those like love child. I, oh, my God. Right. I, I mean, I could just go on and on and on with all. She was so huge. And I remember seeing her and, you know, with the other two ladies in the Supremes. I mean, you would see her all the time, but you're right. She didn't strike you in the beginning that way. But this no. is kind of a, an evolution, you know, mm -hmm. that she did evolve. But, you know, I think it's amazing how this movie comes along. I mean, this movie, to me, was... It came at the height of her career, and it yes. was tailor-made for her. Yes. That's why I imagined her only in this role, because I thought it was really tailor-made. So that's another reason why I could not really picture somebody else in the role besides her. Right, right. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, in collaboration with her and producer, you know, Barry Gordy, you know, mm -hmm. this was, you know, this was their, their project. Right. But, uh, but on, on, there's a little bit of a downside though, because I think that, I think this was the last of the more highly acclaimed movies yes. that she did, because when she yes. went on to do, the whiz, the whiz, a just, flop. It, it just, yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> the Broadway yeah. play was was uh, a success, but the movie was a. Fl and don't talk about the whiz, because girl, I, again, I was obsessed with Diana Ross. I was so obsessed with Diana Ross and the whiz. When our school did it, when I was elementary school, you know who had to play Dorothy. We did the whiz. Oh over. my word! Did oh, you really, Maria? I would have committed infanticide i'd have killed the other people if i wouldn't have, like the other auditioners i was like i don't know why y'all here i got the role <laughs> i had seen the wiz like a kajillion there was no there was no way in hell i was not getting that role so yes but yeah the, the wiz was a flop but it again still culturally significant amongst black people and, and just you know people who love music because who was in it baby the one and only the king of pop michael that's right. That's right. Don't play. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So funny. That was his music. Uh, his his movie debut. Come on in. He's on down. He's on down. Girl, I was upset. Don't make me. Don't know. Don't make us do the whiz now, fans. If you won't see me clown for real, we will do the whiz, and I will go nuts. Cause I again, you. Georgia, you like girl? It was sad. My, pe they should have put me in an institution. Diana Raw, I was, it was, I was obsessed. It was crazy, absolutely insane. Thank God, most of my people are dead. And they uh, like they can't come back and clown me. My daddy, I don't think he, he probably blacked it out. I'm gonna ask him like, pops, you remember when I was obsessed with Diana Ross? And he, he, he's so nice. He probably said, oh well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> It was bad, George. It was really, really, really bad. <laughs> but I digress. I digress. <laughs> I have to tell you, boy, when I saw this movie, it was like a time capsule for me. It was the 70s, baby. Yes. I mean, 
mean, there was like afros and bell bottoms. It was great. It was like the, the soft focus close-ups. You know how they used to yes, do? Yes, yes. The 70s oh was God. beautiful. The 70s were beautiful. Yes. Even though I was a baby, but it, it was beautiful. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I mean, it was so much fun. I just, it just yes. took me back. It really did. Yes, yes. Um, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about when I saw this movie, and I know that sounds crazy because we did that, you know, Joan Crawford, that Harriet Craig movie not that long ago. Of course, and she was also in the Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. But I thought for a fleeting moment, I don't know if you felt this way or anybody else felt this way, but I thought that maybe they were drawing a little bit in the storyline. They were drawing a little bit of inspiration from Joan Crawford movies because, you know, you have mm. this poor shop girl yeah. and she goes yes. from rags to riches yes. and there's a glamorous love story. Girl, you right. and, all that. and I thought, doesn't this remind you of some of those early That's Joan true. Crawford, the plot lines? Are, that is I so true. I don't know why. It makes me think of that. No, you know, I didn't even think about that. No, you are so right. And you drew another parallel to what we just did, Sylvie's Love. And talk about that for a hot minute because we only have a few a few more minutes. But you brought uh, that I, up. Yes, yes. Okay, well, there's a couple of things that made me think about Sylvie's Love, even though they were made 41 years apart. Okay, the movie is about black self-improvement Mm -hmm. and empowerment and right. there it's very forward thinking yes and this romance you know like with um sylvie she was involved in a very glamorous industry you know making television at the time mm -hmm. and that and so in this this woman wants to go into fashion design and so we're seeing a woman having to choose between love and career which mm -hmm. both of these women were facing had to make major decisions to strike out on their own when they didn't have a whole lot of support a little bit of it was luck but it was right. talent it right. was their talent that drove it mm -hmm. and how you see them gain success and so that's why i think these two movies sylvie's love and mahogany are very similar yes Yes, I, I didn't even think about that. So again, once again, Georgia, you do it again. Your 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 ability to to draw back and look at those similarities from um, you know, our previous podcast and just knowing catching the heart of these movies. So great job on catching that, um, <laughs> Tracy. No, <laughs> Tracy had class. <laughs> well, you know, another thing about this movie, I that was kind of a lot of people if they look at it now. In the context of, you know, what's happened, you know, in our country's history in, reason, in recent years. So we see a black male from Chicago who's the community organizer. Yeah. And, and I'm going, whoa, this mm. movie, could they have known, like, right? you know, four decades later. Right. That another a black man from Chicago, a political activist, community organizer, like what would happen, what his political future would be like. And I'm going, whoa, does anybody else like, are they looking at this going, oh my gosh. So, so you're saying Obama saw mahogany and inspired him. <laughs> I, I, there's a yes, lot of jokes. There's a lot of jokes there, ladies and gentlemen. 
and I'm gonna leave it alone. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> please <laughs> please catch us. Please go to our Facebook page and tell us what you think of Mahogany, 1975's Mahogany. Um, it is groundbreaking. It's culturally significant on so many different levels. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, Diana is beautiful. Billy D is beautiful. She designed the clothes and 40 something years later, I didn't even know that. Thank you for that bit of trivia. Um, those of you, one last thing, a little, another piece of trivia. Those of you who saw Dream Girls, which was absolutely based on the Supremes, um, there's a part where Beyonce's um character, what her name is, Dina or something like that. She has this Egyptian type deal on. Well, it's totally the the scene from Mahogany, okay, where she's doing all the clothes and I'm like, nah, this is a daggone shame. It ain't number damn mahogany. So, did you see Dream Girls, uh, Georgia? No, I haven't, but I do want to. That's on my uh, definite watch list. I want to watch Dream okay, Girls. Okay, well, yeah. If, if you see it and you want to do it, let me know. Or, uh, audience, if you want us to do Dream Girls, hey, you know, let us know. But there's a, a sequence <clears throat> when uh, Beyonce is basically doing mahogany, you know, and, and it's no secret. And don't come for me, y'all, the Beehive or whoever, y'all, Beyonce fans. Y'all know when she bust out, she wanted to be, they was tailoring her off the dinosaurs. And I don't think it's a secret. I think they pretty much admitted that. But, uh, you know, it's just Diana Ross, Aretha Franklin, Gladys, Patty, even Bab Streisand and Liza Minnelli and all these different types. Those people are iconic for a reason. Mm -hmm. You can't, they cannot be duplicated. Okay. You know, Betty and John. They were there. That the the things that happened in their lifetime and around it formed who they were, and that cannot be duplicated. So be your own self, you know. And and the, besides the movie having a life lesson, but you know, if I could say a life lesson, you to become iconic, quote unquote, you know, if you're gonna be that, you have to be authentic, don't you think, Georgia? You can't copy anybody else. What do you think? Oh man, that is so true, and that is such great advice. Yeah, I mean, Diana Ross is Diana Ross for whether you hate her or love her or whatever, you know, because she's, you know, rhymes with witch, you know, back in the day, you know, she did some real shady stuff to um, Gladys and a lot of other people um, and how they treated uh, Florence Ballard, her and Barry Gordy. Oh, my gosh. Well, you go look at Dream Girls, you know, except it was worse. But anyway, I digress. I digress. George, I'm gonna give you the last word. Well, if there is to be a life lesson from classic Hollywood, I thought to myself, the message in this movie is very clear. Um, you know, uh, there is like a, a tagline in this movie that everybody, it will resonate when you see it and it'll be very obvious to you. But, you know, in a lot of movies, this movie will um, kind of have the same thing. It's like success and money. They can't buy everything. Right. And so I, I would have to say, um, Moy, I have to agree with you. You really have to be your genuine self. You really do. Be yourself. You can't you can't copy anybody else. No. And I really like I really like that message, Moya, that you bring to the viewers and remind me about all the time. You gotta be your own authentic, original self because that's the best in you. And that's right. what people will remember and appreciate about you is not being a carbon copy of somebody else. Yes, yes. And shout out to the soundtrack. Do you know where you're going to? 
iconic song, uh, you know, beautiful song. I think this was the only, they were only, now that was the only uh, nomination for this movie as far as an Oscar. Um, beautiful, it's just a timeless song. And to quote uh, Brian, Billy Dee's, uh from the movie, just to put a cap on what we're saying, he said, let me tell you something. And don't you ever forget it, that success is nothing without someone you love to share it with. And girl, if that ain't the truth, I'll shut my mouth. I mean, I don't even care. if, if Don't you see two two homeless people, a man and a woman in a box again? <laughs> don't you even see them two people trying to make it? So <laughs> to them, that's a level of success, I suppose. But I mean, you know what I mean? You cannot go in this world alone. And my God, if you have someone in your corner to truly support you, you know, that, that that's what it's about. You know, especially if you're at the top of that ladder, Georgia, like you're saying, you at, what does it mean? You see so many people, uh, we've seen these horror stories about celebrities and the successes that they have. And they just so, look at Elvis. I was just talking about, talking yeah. about he would say, Michael Jackson, they would have all these people around him and they felt so alone. You know how crush, soul crushing that is? Oh my gosh. Mm. Oh, just it's it, it's just and especially Michael Jackson and Latter. I mean, oh, just so so sad. Well, I, well, let's end up on a high note, Georgia. Again, Happy New Year, everybody! Please check out our podcast. Of course, it's here um, on Castos, but we are everywhere. Um, iHeart and you know, tell your friends if they have they don't have Castos. We're on iHeart. We're on Amazon. Um, no, not on Amazon yet. I keep forgetting. I ain't gonna lie. But we are on Apple and um, again, uh, we're on Facebook, How Betty Davis Saved My Life, Life Lessons from Classic Hollywood. Tell us what you think. We want to know what you think. Have you seen these movies? Agree or disagree? We want to know. And of course, we're on um, YouTube with our videos. Yeah, we do videos. So, Georgia, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? I just want to say, Moya, I really enjoyed doing this one today and want to wish all of our uh, followers again a very happy and blessed new year yes yes so for annette i'm gonna let shaka take us on out of here you guys we look forward to the next one see you soon Bye.